You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1, and I thought that uh, Giles Melving, not to be confused with Melvin Giles, there was some confusion in the crowd, uh, did a fantastic job uh, for communion. And I also thought that Chris uh, probably did a perfect, there was not one thing I would change in that, 100% challenging. Great job. Thank you so much. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only who has come from the father full of grace. And full of mercy. You know, it was an incredible time the other day um, when we were doing our bucket shaking, as I said. We were begging for money on the streets of London. And then we had the EDL show up, the English Defense League. They're anti-Muslim, anti-this, anti-that, all these things. When I think about the world that we live in, there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of people looking for answers. And amongst the EDL rally was the anti-EDL rally. So you got the people who don't want EDL, and then you got the EDL, and they both hate each other. And you know what they changed yesterday? Nothing. Did any of you wake up with more money? I didn't. EDL didn't give me anything. Anti-EDL didn't give me anything either. Were any of you encouraged by them? Did they, did you, did they you know, stop by your door and give you a, a treat of some sort? Nothing happened? Nothing? They changed nothing? Well, look at that. Nothing. 
The darkness is out there and people don't even know what makes them stumble. In this time, when, when God came into the world, people were waiting for something. And I think even in our lives, we're waiting for something sometimes that'll help us to make sense of the minutia that we live in. We lived in a jacked up world and we're like, what is going on? Some of you just got minutiaed by the word minutia. <laughs> just go ahead and Google it, okay? I used it properly, don't worry. And so, you know, we're in this world and, 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 and there's just things that are messed up. And, and God's people were messed up and they were waiting for that light for thousands of years. What is going to help us? They're waiting for the Messiah. And the Bible says that he became flesh. Now, some of you have seen the movie, The Matrix. If you haven't seen it, I don't remember. There's prop, there may be a dodgy part or two. So don't, I'm not going to encourage you to see it. Because a, a minister should never encourage people to see stuff with some funky stuff in there. But, but go to Wikipedia and read the synopsis. <laughs> or read the highlights. Or there, I'm sure there's programs where you can get all the, the dodgy parts edited out. But inside that movie, it shows a people waiting for the one, Neo. He's the guy who's going to restore order. And that's what they were waiting for. And that's what we're waiting for. But you know all it takes is the word to become flesh. When you read the Bible today and you put it into action, you know what happens? The word becomes flesh. Jesus was the light. And you know what the light of the world is this morning? It's you. And you and you and you and you. If you so choose to be. It's not the EDL. It's not the anti-EDL. It's not the KKK, it's not the anti-KKK, it's not the Black Lives Matter, the Blue Lives Matter, the Yellow Lives Matter. None of these lives really matter, only God's life matters, and our lives matter if we give our life to Him. We're more... Okay, man. A faithful leader in the front row. We're the kingdom defense. We're, we're, not the, we're not the the England Defense League. We're the, we're the Kingdom Defense League. Anti-sin, anti-hate. We're pro-love. That's what we're pro. And oftentimes people think, why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen? And I ask those people, what have you done about these bad things? And you know what they've done? Nothing. And then if they say they're doing something, well, I did something, how effective have you been at the something that you've done? And I've never had somebody come back to me and say, well, I was effective at making change. Right. You know why God allows these things to happen? Because we have free will. And it's not that he has done nothing about it. It is you that he has sent. You are what he has done about the problems in the world if you so choose to believe that this morning, the title of my sermon is you are the answer. You are the solution and you're the only hope. Amen. Come on. You are the answer. You are the solution and you are the only hope for the problems in this world. It depends on you. Amen. Amen. Some of you are feeling a little heavy right there. Nope. Didn't think you were going to be the answer, but guess what you are. Let's go to John chapter four. A woman who might not have thought she was the answer, 
to some problems, and she ended up being the answer. Now, Jesus over here in John chapter 4 is wandering into Samaria. I don't think he did it by accident. He wanders over here, and we find the Samarian people, and the Samarian people were a people that the Jews hated. Okay, so imagine if the, some Jewish people and Nazis got together. How would the regular Jews feel about the Nazi, Nazi Jews? How would they feel about these people? You think they would like them very much? And so that's, that was the Samaritans or the Samarians. Uh, uh, they went, the people in Samaria were half Assyrian and half Jewish. And they came together, and so God's people hated them. Now, you can't really hate when you're God's people, so amen. Hopefully they repent at some point in the scripture. John chapter 4, verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw some water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, this is a really bold way of sharing. Have you ever been to Nando's and then asked somebody for a bite of their food and then invited them out to church? I've never done that. I've never gone to Pizza Hut and, hey, can I have some of your uh, Dr. Pepper right here? Would you like to come to church? No. But Jesus is pretty bold and he's pretty faithful and he says, hey, give me some of your water right there and, you know, let's have a little conversation. Verse 9. It says, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? In the time, you, some people think that racism only exists in our time. Racism has always existed, and this is one of the worst times. Jesus was the solution by talking to this woman, loving this woman, and not to mention racism, but sexism. Because not only was she a half-human to the Jews, but to the rest of the world at this time, because she was a woman, she wasn't really all there. But Jesus, again, changing things, talks to a woman who's a Samaritan. And it even surprises her. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Verse 11, Sir, you always know somebody is unspiritual when they call Jesus sir. He is the son of God. And Jesus is like, Sir. I mean, imagine if your prayer this morning was, Sir, could you help me? Sir, would you help me with my finances? Sir, like, I mean, that's a really weird prayer to start here. But amen, you know, hopefully, again, she repents halfway during her quiet time with Jesus. <laughs> Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. This well is very deep. Now, again, signaling her faith, thinking that Jesus needed something physical to draw out something physical. Now, Jesus did have something spiritual to draw out deep things, and that was his word, the word of God. The word of God was there to draw the deep things of this woman's heart. The problems, the issues, the minutia. <laughs> Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and a drink from it himself and as did his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. The living water, if you look into the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, is God himself. And not just God himself, but this is an allusion to baptism. The living water, he says, you will never thirst and get again. Indeed, this water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up 
into eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, she still don't get it. <laughs> sir. Hey, amen if you messed up in your life. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. amen. Can I get an amen for people who saw problems in their life and didn't see Jesus? Amen. amen. Right? Okay. Okay. Now, okay. Now, we're, now we're with this woman. We're, we're right here with her. Sir, give me some of this water. I don't want to get thirsty. I don't want to keep coming to the, and draw water here. Do I need to go to Sainsbury? Is it Waitrose? Is it Morrison? Is it unspecial? Do I go online to get it? Do I go to Groupon? Where's the water, Jesus? Just tell me. I want it. He told her. And there's always a, there's always a challenge in Jesus, so, you know, be, be prepared to be challenged. He said, go. Go make disciples. Go repent. Go do all kinds of things. But this isn't a very interesting challenge. Go and call your husband and then come back. Jesus, already knowing this woman's sin, gave her a bit of a challenge. She says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Jesus straight out calls this woman a prostitute while he's trying to take some of her water. Hey, let me have some of your water. Come to church, and by the way, you're a prostitute. Wow, that is some tough sharing your faith there, Jesus. And she's a little bit floored, and so she starts scrambling a little bit, and she's like, uh, uh, yeah, you're right, and you're probably a prophet. Uh, uh, but where do I, where should I, where should I go to church? Where should I go to church? Like, you know, on the mountain? Is it in the hills? Do I go to Hillsong? Is it LICC? Where do I go? And he says, woman, it's not about where you go. It's how you go there. It's a frame of mind. And he, and he, and he tells her in the scripture that we know from 23 to 24, we're not going to read it. You've got to worship God in truth and in spirit. And in verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. Again, he's standing in front of her. She, don't, she still doesn't understand it. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Whew. Sometimes you get into those problems in your life, the minutia. And you think they're problems, but they're really Jesus. It says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And for the us men, we, we read the water jar being left behind and we kind of don't get it. But this was kind of like the call of the first disciples when they left their nets behind. When they left the nets behind, that was their livelihood. Can you catch fish with your hand, very many of them, to sell them in the marketplace? Uh, this was this woman's livelihood. She left her life behind when she found out about Jesus. You know, Gideon hid the light in jars of clay. And in the same way, that jar of clay symbolized our, his life, our life, and he had to smash the jar of clay to reveal the light, which is the Holy Spirit. This woman, her water jar symbolizing her life, left it behind. Verse 39, her leaving her life behind. It says, many of the Samaritans from the town 
that believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. She left her life behind and she went out and saved others. So when the so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. It was her life and the word of God. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because you said we now have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Point number one, leave your water jar behind. Leave your water jar behind. Whatever it is holding you back this morning, and you've got some stuff holding you back this morning. I see it. I look into the crowd and I know as a minister who's in sin, who's not in sin, who thinks they're fooling me with their sin. You're really not. I can totally see it. So does God. And we've got these things holding us back and we've got to leave it behind. Just go. Don't think about it. She didn't think. She just went. Her leaving her water jar behind was an act of faith. Because she said to herself, I don't need to draw water anymore if I have the living water. She left it behind. She believed in the words of Jesus. And whatever is holding you back, maybe it's money. I don't know. Sometimes money is the thing that's holding us back. And we do have special missions coming up. Special missions is incredible because it lets us know where our hearts are at with God. As Krista so eloquently put, are we being like a child or not? Children don't care. You know who gives the most money at, when, when we're bucket shaking or at least wants to give the mo most money? It's children. Yeah. They're always tugging on their parents. Like, let me give them, let me give them a coin. Oh, I want to give them more. And they want to give everybody a coin. Yeah. They see people with multiple buckets and they're like, I want to put a coin in here and 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 a coin in here. Whatever is holding you back, is it control? You want to control your life? Popularity? You want to be popular? Is it pride? You're so prideful you can't listen to the people in your life who love you? Is it hurt? Are you too hurt to get over what's going on in your life right now? She didn't care about what she looked like. This was a prostitute. In a town of five people, five, there's like five guys there, and she's sleeping with all of them. You don't think they're going to know who she is? She walks back into the town. And she don't care that she's a prostitute, she's a, that she's been sleeping around or got married over and over and over and over and over. She just said, come hear about this guy, Jesus. She wasn't so concerned about herself. She was con more concerned about giving other people this living water. She heard the truth and she wanted to give it to other people. It wasn't about her. One of the biggest water jars, if you will, in our life that we've got to leave behind, I think, is excuses. We make so many excuses. And we think that our excuses excuse us from changing. We think that our excuses make it okay for us to sin. We think that our excuses make it okay for us not to change, not to grow, not to do the thing that God is calling us to do. But that's not so true. You know, I had a friend mail me a Facebook post uh, with this kid named Gaspar Marcos. And I'll talk a little bit about my friend in a little bit, but let's focus on Gaspar here. Gaspar is this kid from Guatemala. And this kid from Guatemala lost his parents when he was a little kid. 
And at the age of 13 years old, he traveled from Guatemala all the way to Los Angeles. 4,360 kilometers. That's almost twice what the Ethiopian eunuch did when he was traveling from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. This kid, Gaspar Marcos, comes to... Thank you very much. Let me get the minutia out of my eyes. He comes to Los Angeles not speaking a word of English. He gets himself as an illegal immigrant into school, and he starts going to school from 7 to 4. Okay, that's when he gets in, 7 to 4. And then from school, he travels. Now, he doesn't have a car, so he, he walks and he takes the bus, and he goes to home to change and then straight to work, and he works from like 16 to 18 years old. He's now 18 years old, and he's working until 2 a.m. and then travels home. So from 7 to 2 a.m. Then 2 a.m. he's traveling home, so he gets about two or three hours of sleep a day, maybe. And sometimes he says, I get no sleep. A kid who lives in America, who doesn't speak the language, gets himself into school, gets himself a job, and he makes zero excuses, and he says in the film, I'm going to suffer now so that I can have a better future. How much more us? Yeah. How much more us should we suffer now for our eternity? That if we would make changes today, we could change it for the rest of our life. Don't go back to your sin. Don't go back to the alcohol, to the drugs, to the girls, to the guys, to the pleasure, to whatever it is. If you change today, you can change so many people's lives. Gaspar doesn't even know he changed my life. But I watched that video and I just said, what excuse do I have today? What excuse do you have? None. The challenge is simple. This woman spent time with the Savior. So you better have yourself a quiet time. You better be reading your Bible and praying every single morning. And talking to him. But other than that, you just got to make a decision today that you're going to think, act, and live like, like you are the answer, like you are the solution, and that you are the only hope because you really are. Yeah. Acts chapter 9. You guys with me? Don't worry, that was, my, that was my cry point. The rest of the points will be more lighthearted, I promise. In the past, I've made all my points crying points. And then by the end of it, everybody went home sobbing. And, you know, there was weeping, gnashing in teeth. And people put dust, dust on their heads and all this other stuff. We won't have that today. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 9. There's this guy named Paul. We'll give, we'll, give, we'll give a few people a little bit of time to, to get over there. Who knows who Paul is while we're flipping pages? Sorry. Saul. Saul? Paul? Saul? Saul Basari? Not that one. The one in the Bible. Saul? Saul Basari? He's, he's Benaniah now. Just so you guys, in case you guys don't know, he's Benaniah. The answer, the solution, and the hope for Oxford, just so you know. Now, of course, of course, 
Coral is also the answer, the solution, and the whole practice as well. But there's this guy named Paul, and well, if you don't know who he is, pick up, uh, before his name gets changed, hear a little bit about him. It says, meanwhile, Saul, who becomes Paul, still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, that's the church, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And so the Bible says that this guy, Saul, who becomes Paul, would go take Christians and toss them into prison. So what, if you take a man and a woman, what does that mean? What happens to the kids? So they're orphans. This guy willingly orphaned kids and willingly had Christians killed. Would this guy be your best friend in today's day and age? If, like, if Osama bin Laden was still alive, would you like, be fired up to go be his friend? So let's get past a, a few verses. So Osama bin Saul, he gets knocked off his horse and he goes, he gets, he gets blinded. And then we pick up the story in verse 10. Cash is taking a little bit of inhaler because my sermon is so hot. Gave, <laughs> gave, him, gave him a little bit of asthma right there in the third row. Man, bro, it's challenging. I have, I used, I have asthma too, so, but I need to. I know, maybe I'll take some of your inhaler afterward. It says, uh, in, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. So I mean, Ananias probably prayed a lot. If if the if the Bible is coming to him at this point, and he may have been praying for a lot of things in his life. And maybe for a car, maybe for a brand new house, maybe for, uh, I don't know, a, a Nando's voucher. I don't know, something, a little something, something. And so finally, the Lord comes to him in a vision. And so maybe he's thinking, like, God, it's, it's finally happening. I'm seeing the Lord in a vision. He's going to give me something awesome. It's going to be incredible. What do you want? I am so fired up. The Lord told him, go. Go where? Go to the Bahamas? Go on vacation? Where do I go? Where do I go? Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Oh, right. Does he have my prize? Fantastic. And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying there. What? That's the guy who kills people. You want me to go to Osama bin Saul's house and go hang out with him? I could, I could probably feel like sometimes we ask God for stuff. He gives us an answer. And then the answer that we like just like drops, makes our heart drop into the pit of our stomach. Yeah. Oh my gosh. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. You told him my name? He's waiting for me? What the heck? Os Osama bin Saul is waiting for Ananias? I'm Ananias. What are you doing, Jesus? You don't want to come back physically right now and talk to him yourself? No, no. <laughs> Place your hands on him and restore his sight. Verse 13, Lord, dot, 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 question mark, unhappy face emoji. <laughs> Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. You know what will torpedo and destroy your faith? If you go by what you see and what you hear, you're never going to believe what God wants you to do. If you go by the reports that you see on fake news, you're never going to believe it. It's never going to happen.
in. Even on the real news, it's fake news. It's all fake news. You know what the real news is? It's the Bible. You know what the real news is? We got to change. And okay, man, Coral, Coral wants to change. Coral wants to change, and the rest of you like your sin too much. Okay, amen. We'll, we'll, hopefully by the end. It says in verse 15, the Lord said to Ananias, go. So first time he said go, second time he says go again. So Jesus doesn't really change his mind a lot, just so you know. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles, their kings, and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and he entered it. He placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, <laughs> the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road when you were coming here, he sent me, yes, I'm the guy, I'm Ananias, so that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, the scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up and he was baptized. Amen. Now, it's incredible. Don't turn there, but note it in Acts 22, verse 16. Somewhere along the way, this guy Ananias got a little bit of faith and got a little bit encouraged. Because in 2216, he not only, it not only says that Paul gets baptized, but Ananias, who was afraid of Saul, says, what are you waiting for? Get up and get baptized. Point number two, what are you waiting for? Get up. What are you waiting for, Susie? Cash? Clark? Dr. Laz? Lovey? Ashley? Samuel? Benanaya? Mayowa? Victoria? What are you waiting for? Get up! You've got to make a decision today. Make a decision quick. Stop wasting your life. Stop wasting time. There's so many people that could be saved if you just made the decision today to go. What are you waiting for? Get up. And not just to go, but to call other people to do the same. Ananias was called to go. And you know what he do does when he gets to Saul? He calls him to go too. This guy was a nobody in the Bible. You ever heard of Ananias before this? No, because he's not in it before this. And maybe Saul, you know, when he puts his hands on him, he's like, hey, hey, it's me, Ananias. And he's like, I, I thought you died in Acts chapter 5 with your wife. That's, that's a different Ananias. That's a different Ananias. If you go look, there's another Ananias there for those who didn't understand that reference. I'm not that Ananias. I'm the other Ananias, the one that nobody talks about. But he went and he dealt with this challenge. I mean, I don't know if there's any other way of confronting your challenge and meeting your challenge head on than actually confronting your challenge and meeting your challenge head on. Yeah. Like, it's a very physical act that he did. Osama bin Saul is over there. You got to walk over there and put your hands on him. And he physically went and he did it. And that's what fires me up about this region. There's so many people that have taken up the challenge to start making contacts, to make new friends, and to go after deeper relationship with the families. I can really see it in the fellowship. It fired me up to see Giles Melvin. I mean, he's never met his father, yep. never met his sister or his niece. Yep. And then he reads the word of God and he goes and he meets his Osama bin Saul <laughs> head on. 
That's incredible. To see Chris, to see Krista and Victor up here working together. I mean, Chris, Krista was, let's just say not so submissive when I, when we first got into her, just a little bit. And let's just say Victor wanted to amputate Krista's leg for some reason. You can, I'll let, I'll let him, I'll let, I'll let you ask him what that means. But look at him now. Look at how awesome they are. And it's not because I'm awesome or Cassidy's awesome. You know who's awesome? The Bible. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It's incredible to see people change. Be the answer. Be the solution. Be the hope for yourself and call other people to do it. You've got to breathe faith into people. But you've got to have faith to give. Stop thinking about it and just go. You know who I'm fired up about? This guy sitting right here that you may not know. His name is Carlos, so now you all know him. Let's, oh, no. I really, now, Carlos is messed up, just like me. He's messed up. I'm messed up. We're all messed up. So I'm not fired up about him because he's perfect. I'm fired up about him because he knows he's messed up and he wants to change. You know who's asked me probably for more advice than anybody I know this week? Carlos. You know who's been open more than anybody I know this week? Who is not a baptized disciple? Yeah, Carlos. Carlos is awesome. You're awesome. I appreciate your friendship. Um, I want to challenge you guys to go out and just make a friend. Just go make a friend. Go bring somebody into your family. Not like pretend bring them into your family. Bring them into your family. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. God is going to change some. I, I thought that point number one was my only crying point, but Carlos, he was crying. Yes, he cried. Okay, so hold on. Hold. Hold. If you're, if you're online and you want to clap right there, hold. He cried the first time we, he, he, now he's not going to care I share this because he doesn't have a choice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no but, but I'm crying, so it makes it okay. He cried. The first time we got together, he cried. And then the second, and then we got together yesterday, and then he cried. And then I was like, I, I know I'm going to cry in the sermon, so don't, you're not going to feel bad. I'll cry in front of everybody. And so now I'm crying, and now it's okay. But I'm just fired up to have him as my friend. I'm fired up that he's here, that he's messed up. And I'm fired up that you guys are here, and you're messed up too. But we can all help each other. Yeah. How much more do we need to bring in our family and friends? Yeah. How much more do we need to bring in the people out there who need the help that you have? You are the answer. You are the solution. You, Jamal Rajul, are the only hope for so many people. Point number three. Don't give up. Point number three. Do not give up. Go to Acts chapter 15, if you will. Acts chapter 15. Verse 36, the Bible reads, sometime later, Paul. So Saul turned into Paul. He went from killing Christians to making Christians. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Excuse me. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers 
in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now, that is some awesome follow-up. They didn't just call or text. He went there in person and said, let's see how everything's going. Barnabas wanted to take John, who was also called Mark, with him. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued in the work. The Bible says in Acts 13, 13, if you check back, you don't have to turn there now, that he went back to Jerusalem. He went on a mission team to go save people, and he gave up. Now I'm fired up about Jamal and about Samuel because they're going to come with me to Paris, and they're not going to come back to London ever. They're not giving up. <laughs> no, no applause for that? Come on, let's give you some. And Isaac is also coming. He kept his head down while I was saying that. And he's never coming back. And I know Kelly's sitting right over there, right behind my wife, trying to, trying to duck down. And she's French, so you know she's going there, and she's never coming back. Amen. They can come back. They can do it, but it's okay. But he just, they, this guy, John Mark, deserted Paul. It says they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted ways and that the brothers commended Saul and that they didn't like what Barnabas had done with Mark. So this guy was a failure. Can I get an amen for those of us who failed? Amen, I fail. Anybody ever been a quitter? Can I get an amen for the quitters? Amen, I'm a quitter. We're all messed up, failures and quitters. Amen, that's awesome. But he made a decision at some point not to quit anymore. And the Bible records, and man, it gets me emotional. Man, I just didn't want to cry. But then, I, you know, when I preached it to myself this morning, there was no tears. Preach at the kids class, there was no tears. And then all of a sudden I get before you guys, and then there's tears. I blame it on you. Um, so in, don't, don't turn there, but note it now. In 2 Timothy 4, in verse 9, it says, do your best. He's, Paul, Paul is telling Timothy, this guy who was a killer, who turned into a church leader, and then trains up a bunch of ministers. He says, do your best to come quickly. For Demas, who is the guy he trained, because of the love of the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So the Bible says another person deserted Paul. Verse 11 says that only Luke is with me, but get Mark. Bring him with you because he is helpful to my ministry. Mark the quitter turned into Mark the helpful. Mark the failure became one of the guys who was instrumental in Paul's ministry. A guy who writes 66% of the New Testament. A guy who evangelized the province of Asia in a two-year span. This guy, Mark, he says, bring him to me. I need him. He's helpful. Anybody can change. And everybody will fail. But we can't give up. The Bible says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up, Carlos. If we don't give up. And that Carlos, there's another Carlos in the back. Double Carlos. I like this. The multiplication of Carloses. The Bible says, Galatians 6, 9, don't give up. You know what? Sometimes I think we just like giving up. There was that blind, paralyzed, lame guy in John chapter 5. And God, or Jesus asked him, he says, do you want to get any better? And, and, and I think that some of us don't want to get any better. 
Sometimes we just like being the blind, deaf, lame person. Oh, I can't do it. I just can't. I just want to. Oh, the government needs to help me and my discipler and it's all these other people. And oh, my gosh. At the end of the day, when we make the decision to change, that means we've got to own up to all our, our, our problems. Right, yeah. And it means that we've got to do things differently. Yeah. I want to challenge you guys to understand that you've got to change today. Yes. I want to challenge you to understand that failure is not final. Yeah. As long as you don't give up. And sometimes, as my new friend Carlos, my new brother Carlos, tells me, you've got to give time time. You've got to give time, time. Because sometimes God's just testing to see if you really want it. I I wanted it for one month, God, for two months, God. I want to save my family for as long as I'm a disciple. I'm going to die wanting to save my family. It's never going to change. I'm going to want to save the world as long as I'm a disciple. Don't give up up in the west region whatever your situations are whatever your problems are if it's your mom if it's your dad if it's your job situations if it's finances whatever it is church growth i want to baptize somebody uh uh, uh, just whatever you're the answer you are the answer you are the solution you are god's chosen one and only hope for all the problems in all the world. I believe it. And I hope you do too. Thank you very much. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.